Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see everybody right here on a Sunday afternoon in beautiful Chicagoland. John Meadows is directing and producing, and we have a lot to get to today on this program. Uh, some reports have shown that the Bears and NFL teams are expecting the Bears to hold on to Justin Fields. We'll talk about what that means and read you a direct quote from that new report. Then the second thing is, what will the Bears get back for that number one overall pick? Daniel Jeremiah has come out with some trade packages, and these are very interesting, including a Texans trade that will give the Bears three or four picks just for that top overall pick. So we will break that down. Later in the show, we have some news out of baseball. The pitch clock is here, and it already cost a team a game. I will discuss. You don't want to miss that, Brad. Plus, near the end of the show, we're also going to talk about Wilson Contreras. He has trashed the Cubs in a recent interview. He's praised the Cardinals. What did he say, and what's it mean? We will discuss that near the end of this program. Our show today is brought to you by Amish Country Farms. For the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland, hit them up today in Orland Park. Fresh imports weekly from the Amish of Northern Indiana. Just tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. They're going to take real good care of you. We're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Want to say another quick thank you to all of you for this past week, Wednesday night, or Thursday night rather, big night, Ozzy Gian on the program. You all showed out in immense numbers. The video did super well on all of our platforms. A lot of you had nice things to say about it. And just want to let you know that in this new studio now, we do plan on bringing back more guest interviews. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that in the weeks to come. We're going to have some real fun here in these brand new studios. And um, I appreciate all of you for your support and for everything that you guys have done along the way. We're here. And um, it's been a wild ride and super fun, and it's only going to get better. So appreciate you all being here today on this Sunday afternoon for another great show. <clears throat> Want to start today with this. Justin Fields is expected to stay with the Bears, according to NFL teams. This is a report from Jeremy Fowler, BSPN. Quote, most teams I've talked to expect the Bears to keep Justin Fields. The expectation is they'd move out of that number one pick. So... We've seen so much speculation, mainly from these morons at ESPN, who've gone back and forth saying every single day and every single show why the Bears should trade Justin Fields or keep that number one overall pick. Found it ironic that it's an ESPN reporter who refutes his own colleagues here, but that's besides the point. Jeremy Fowler is confirming what I think a lot of us assumed heading into this offseason and beyond. I think it makes sense for the Bears to hold on to Justin Fields, but I think more than that, we have to look at his body of work and where he's gone from game one to game 17 in order to understand why the Bears are most likely going to make this decision. We all knew before the season this was kind of a make-or-break year for Justin Fields. Kind of. And I say kind of because 
There could have been blame placed on Ryan Poles or Matt Eberflus, and rightfully so, he had no weapons, he had nothing around him, yet Justin Fields, to his credit, didn't let those excuses get in the way. He didn't say, woe is me, I have nobody around me, I have a defensive-minded head coach, I have a GM who's not spending for me, I'm just going to give up, roll over, and die. He didn't say that, nor did he act like that, fortunately. He showed everybody that he had a fighting spirit, there was something inside of him, and he knew deep down he needed to get better. There were things he needed to work on, and he needed to show that, hey, I deserve to be here, I was picked, top picked for a reason, I, I was traded up for for a reason, and I think I could be the future of this team. I really gave Justin Fields credit. He could have really sat down and played the woe, the woe is me card easily. And, and I really wouldn't have blamed him with the situation that he inherited. You know, we talk about the situation that Ryan Poles inherited, Matt Eberflus inherited. What about the situation that Justin Fields inherited? He's drafted by a lame duck head coach and GM. The Bears move up for him. Those same people are fired a year later. Got nobody around you. You're projected to be the worst team in football, which you ended up being. You have a new GM, new head coach. Got to prove yourself to them. No protection, nothing around you as weapons. And he never said once, woe is me. I feel so sorry for myself. I'm not performing because of all the problems around me. I really give him a lot of credit. Not once did we hear Justin Fields say any of that out of his mouth. And now look where he is today. He actually improved, if you could believe that. Got better with that situation that he inherited. And now stands today, ready to go next year, in a really big make-or-break year for a good reason. Maybe we see Fields finally become a superstar instead of just a star or a mid-level quarterback. That's something we need to remember, too. Next year's a prove-it year, but I think it's a prove-it year in a different way. It's not, okay, let's see if Justin Fields is competent. We know that. It's, let's see if Justin Fields could really be a superstar in this league. And that's why I knew, answering this offseason, there was no way the Bears were going to trade him. And that's why this report makes sense. <clears throat> this is a different sort of prove-it year for Justin Fields. It's not a prove that you're competent, prove that you could play quarterback in the NFL. It's prove you could be a superstar, already a mid-level guy to a star. Can you be a superstar? Can you be a top-five QB? That's what makes this year so exciting for him, for all of us watching. So there's a different sort of expectation, a different sort of jump that we should be expecting for Fields this year. It's not a prove-it year as if, oh, if you do bad, you're going to be cut, you're out of this team. No, it's a prove-it year in the sense of can you be a superstar? Can you be a top-five, top-ten QB? Can you be the guy that really does make highlight reel plays with your arm and whip your legs every single week instead of just one? That's what excites me about Justin Fields this year. That's what I think we should be all watching. So with this report from Jeremy Fowler, it kind of confirms everything that we talked about. This does not shock me, and it does not surprise me whatsoever. I'm all for a healthy debate. I'm all for weighing the pros and cons of, yes, the Bears should draft Bryce Young, or no, they shouldn't keep Justin Fields. I love a healthy debate. I love healthy arguments and discourse. We need that. We need different ideas. 
need to discuss things and weigh out the pros and cons. Can't just go one way or the other. I'm all for discussion. But when you weigh out the pros and cons, when you make that list, when you look at Justin Fields, look at Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, I think the answer is pretty clear. You keep Justin Fields. And you trade away that top pick and get three or four guys in return, which we'll talk about in our next segment. That's what you should be doing. And I think Ryan Poles is approaching the situation, to his credit, very well. I have no problem with this mindset or idea. That's what you got to do. And again, I say, next year, don't call it a prove-it year for Fields. Call it a superstar year or not for Fields. That's what it is. It's a superstar year. It's a next-level type year. We've all already assumed and already seen that he is a competent NFL quarterback, and that is enough for me to say the Bears should not trade him or they shouldn't draft a rookie. Imagine Bryce Young, rookie year last year, even rookie year this year, but this sort of Bears team. I don't think it would go too well. I think everybody would be flabbergasted and stunned by the lack of production on the part of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis. Look at this team. It is not configured for a rookie quarterback. Last year, Justin Fields was forced to become more mature. He was thrusted into the wilderness again and was told, good luck, kid. And you know what? He turned things around as the season moved forward and never said once, this team sucks. I'm not performing because of this team. He just went out there and played his ass off when he was healthy. That's commendable. That's respectful. Any other rookie quarterback would not be able to do what he did last year. That's enough for me to say no need to draft a quarterback. And it's also enough for me to say next year is not a prove-it year. It's a are you going to be a superstar year. You're already at that star status. Will you be a top five NFL QB? We could find out a little bit more next season. That's what we need. That's what everybody should be expecting. That's what I would say to everybody wondering about this report, wondering what the Bears should do. I buy Jeremy Fowler. He's done great reporting over the years, especially on, believe it or not, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, A lot of great reporting from him. He got an exclusive interview with Mitch last year, and this report seems right to me, too. It just makes sense. Quote, most teams I've talked to do expect the Bears to keep Justin Fields. The expectation is that they'd move out of that number one pick. Yes, perfect. Thank you, Jeremy Fowler. And again, I'm not saying Justin Fields is perfect, okay? I've praised him a lot during this segment, but I've also criticized him a lot too, and most of you know that if you've followed the program over the years. I'm not Justin Fields' number one fanboy. You'll never see me sitting here wearing a Justin Fields jersey, rooting him on. I just want to see good, solid play more than anything from this entire team. And Justin Fields has not been perfect. In these first three games of 2022, he was very reminiscent of last year. And last year was not impressive at all. It was scary. For a minute, you did think, hey, is he going to be a bust or not? Fair thought. But Fields turned things around as the season moved forward. 
And he got so much better game in and game out. As he got more reps, more experience. It was awesome. It was awesome the way he improved. The evolution of fields that we saw week in and week out was just amazing. I mean, that Patriots game, in my opinion, Monday night was the best game of the entire season team-wide for the Bears. They beat up on Bailey Zapp and Mac Jones. Handily, Fields played well. The defense played great. That that team, that iteration of the team, is what we need to see this season as a team. Same with Fields. That's the way things have to go for them. So I buy this report. I buy this idea. And I really think next year, you've heard it here first, next year's not a prove-it year, it's are you a superstar year. That's how I'm going to start approaching next season for Fields. As I've done more thinking about his situation, what the Bears are going to be offering, this number one overall pick, it's all been in my mind the past couple of weeks, and I've really thought it out, and now I think I've found somewhat of a good conclusion. We know Fields is competent. That was last year's test. Are you an NFL quarterback? Are you even capable of being somewhat good enough to lead a team. Check. Checked off easily. So now it's, are you going to be a superstar or do you need a good team around you to win? Are you going to be an Alex Smith or a Patrick Mahomes? Going to be a game manager? Are you going to be a leader? And either way, I'm okay with it. Alex Smith is a good quarterback. I'm not trying to slight him, but I'm just wondering what kind of a player Justin Fields will be. And I think that's what we're going to see in 2023, we're going to find out, okay, is he going to be a top five QB? Is he going to be a superstar? Is he going to be a mid-level QB? Because already I could say with confidence, Justin Fields is a top 20 quarterback. I think he's 20th or 19th as of right now, and he only has room to go up. So we know that, which is great. Now we need to find out, is he going to be a superstar? But I'm saying all this just to say that this report from Jeremy Fowler is great. Why would the Bears trade a quarterback who two years in has proven enough to be competent when you have other quarterbacks, rookies like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, who we have no idea what they're capable of? And if you brought one of them into this situation last year, they would not have done as good as Justin Fields did, plain and simple. And that should really end the discussion right there. Would Bryce Young, Will Levis, or C.J. Stroud have done better than what Justin Fields did last year with that team? Worst team in football. No weapons, no spending money, new coach, new GM. Would Bryce Young, would Will Levis, or would C.J. Stroud have done what Justin Fields did? Answer is no, and that's it. End of story, end of discussion. My guy Dan Tana coming in. Tana Solent, yo, yes, a Sunday stream from John Perfect. Dan, appreciate the donation, brother. Dan Tana is the man. Uh, You guys should follow his channel. By the way, at Tana Soled, he does a lot of um, tech reviews. I know he did one the other day. It's Samsung versus the uh, new Apple iPhone. I tuned in, Dan. I loved it. Uh, me and Dan go back and forth all the time on Twitter and Facebook. And I appreciate the donation and appreciate all of you guys hanging out with us here. Taking a look at some of your other comments and who else tapped in. Joseph, I like Jap and the way he holds himself in the face of adversity. This team would have broke most QBs straight up. Fields having only two... 200-yard passing games in two years is a huge red flag where you should be considering to draft another QB. Fields hasn't shown anything to be confident. Huh, interesting. Leodonis with that. Justin Fields is the best QB we have. I am grateful. Um, Joseph Archer, the Bears just need to give Justin Fields help on both sides of the ball, and Justin will go from there 
let's go Bears. And Leonidas also said Bryce Young has better field of vision and better accuracy, so Bryce Young would do better than Justin Fields. You know, I say this to that comment, Leonidas. Maybe you're right, and maybe I'll be wrong. And in five years, you could shred me to pieces for having the wrong opinion on Fields versus Bryce Young. But how could you say that Bryce Young has better vision than Justin Fields? And here's why I say that. Remember Justin Fields' rookie year? Remember when everybody was giving him crap because he said, oh, the game is so slow to me, and he mentioned that in the preseason, and then he got killed (laughs) his rookie year, right? We remember that. So Bryce Young having better vision at the college level means absolutely nothing when it comes to the NFL. That's the key. So you, we, we can't make that comparison. That's the problem. We can't say, hey, Bryce Young's better at this, this, and this when we've never seen Bryce Young play for an NFL team. We don't know what Bryce Young has to offer at a better level than Alabama. That's why I caution anybody saying, hey, they would do better or this guy's better or whatever. We don't know, and I'll tell you what again. Bryce Young, last year with his current skill set, would not have done better than Justin Fields in that situation. Now, in five years, with both guys having superstar teams around them, could be an entirely different story. But last year, the 2022 Bears, if Bryce Young was the quarterback and not Justin Fields, Bryce Young would not put up the numbers that Justin Fields did. That is enough for me to say, hold on and keep Justin Fields. That's it. That simple of a discussion, and that's why I've said I think the buck stops there in regards to the trade Justin Fields talk and to the we got to get rid of him talk, right? That's the way I see it, at least. I don't think um, it's worth going further than that on this discussion. So, besides, the Bears could get a hole back for their first overall pick. According to reports from Daniel Jeremiah, I'm going to read you this quote here in a second. The Bears could get a lot back for that top pick. It's actually very exciting to see. If they make the trade with the Texans and or the Colts, be prepared for a haul for the Bears. And I think that's very exciting. And I think that's the big reason why they should probably trade that pick and set themselves up for this year and next year. So here's what Jeremiah said from NFL Network. Very good draft guy. He said, quote, If you're going to go back to pick number two, so if the Bears make a trade with the Texans, is what he's saying, you're going to get, the Bears will get the second pick, the 33rd pick, and next year's two. That would be the trade you would have there with the Texans. If you go to four, so if the Bears make a trade with Indianapolis, would you have to give up a fourth-round pick this year? Or, sorry, a fourth-round pick in 2024 as well as the number one overall pick. The Bears would receive, if they made a trade with the Colts, number four overall, number 35 overall, first round pick in 24, second round pick in 24. If you want to go all the way to nine, you're going to get the ninth pick, you're going to get the 39th pick, and a first rounder in 24, and a first rounder in 25. So there is a bit of insight, finally, a bit of an idea of what the Bears could get, what they should be demanding, what the market price should be, for that top overall pick. And I have to say, I love it. And this is what we kind of predicted over the past couple of weeks. Now we have some more information coming to light. This is what the Bears should demand. This is what they should be asking for. So with the Texans, 
they would get the second pick, the 33rd pick, and next year's second rounder. But if they make a trade with the Colts or at number nine, they could be getting a first-round pick in 2024 in addition to the first-round pick this year, plus a couple of seconds and third or fourth. They could be getting back four picks for that number one overall pick if they make a trade at four or nine. And if they make a trade with the Texans, they'll get three back, three picks back in return. Now, that is music to my ears. <laughs> because this team needs much more than quarterback. You know, we get so caught up in the Justin Fields discourse. Will they train him? Will they not? Is Justin Fields good enough? We are forgetting about all the other holes on this team, all the other problems that they have, and they have a lot of them. David Montgomery is going to be a free agent. So they have no running back. Wide receiver, they could certainly use some help there. Cardinal Mooney, Chase Claypool, who else? And Claypool sucked last year. And Mooney was hurt. They need a true, legit number one. They don't have that yet. Secondary is going to need some help. Defensive line is going to need some help. The Bears need to be able to rush the quarterback. They need edge rushers. Oh, and by the way, the offensive line sucked ass last year. They need help there, too. <clears throat> that offensive line was horrible. Justin Fields led the league in sacks. Now you could say Justin Fields, oh, it's his fault. No, that offensive line sucked. Come on. Look at all these issues that the Bears have, and all we're doing every single day, all ESPN is doing, all the mainstream media, all of us. I'm guilty of it, too. What are they going to do at quarterback? Well, what about all these other positions? And that's why it's so important that the Bears trade that number one overall pick. They're going to get back three or four picks in return, which allows them to draft according to need at some of these positions. They need a new wide receiver. They need potentially running back. They need secondary help. They need defensive line help, and they desperately need offensive line help. Training away number one to slot number four, or to slot number nine, could not uh, notch you four picks. Trading number one could get you a couple of picks this year and a couple of more next year. <clears throat> That's what the Bears should be shooting for. And that's why I think the Bears will trade away that pick. Makes sense to me. Why not? Look what you could get in return for just trading number one. And the best part is the Bears aren't desperate. Like, there's no one the Bears need at number one that they need to stay there for. Will Anderson and Jalen Carter could be going at four or nine. The Bears could trade back and still get a defensive stalwart in those spots. But if they trade with the Texans, they could get back the number two overall pick, the 33rd pick, and next year, second round pick. If you trade with the Colts, you could get number four, number 35 this year, a first rounder next year, and a second rounder next year. And if you trade at nine, you're going to get a 39th pick of this year, and a first rounder in 24, and a first rounder in 25, plus the nine pick this year. So you trade number one, you get four back if you trade with four or nine. You trade number one to number two, you're going to get three back. But if you trade at four or nine, you could get a first rounder next year. That's what they should be going for. Do not give your pick to Houston unless they're willing to give you a first rounder next year. That's the whole criteria if you're Justin or if you're Brian Pauls, rather. That would be my criteria if I were the GM of this team. 
look, I want to make sure, if I'm Ryan Poles, that I am set up for next year, too, no matter what. What if they do a pick swap, right? Like, look at Denver this year. Denver lost their first-round pick because they traded everything to get Russell Wilson. The Seahawks have that pick, but they went 9-8 and eight, made the playoffs, and they're going to be picking in the top 10. That's what the Bears should be for next year. Maybe the Bears go 9-8 and eight next year, 10-7. and seven. Sneaking is a wild card. They lose round one. Doesn't matter. They're still going to have a top 10 pick because of the team they trade to is going to suck. That's what they should be aiming for. Pick-wise and draft positioning-wise. That's what they should be doing. In my opinion, at least. That's the way to go. You do that, you're going to be okay. Brian Poles has to make sure that he gets the best bang for his buck. You have a giant-ass gold bar, and you want to get back tons of little gold bars that equal or succeed what the gold bar is really worth. That's what he got, That's what he has to do here. He has something very valuable, has to trade it and get more back. That's the classic barter system. That's, that's it. And he knows what he needs, too. See, that's the problem. And I think everybody else knows what the Bears need to. The Bears have so many holes, everybody else sees it, so they know Ryan Poles is going to be looking for a King's ransom for that top pick. Everybody knows what Ryan Poles is looking for or intending with that top pick in a trade. Simple. So that's what the Bears should be focusing on, and that's what Poles should be focusing on. They go with that, they're going to be okay. That's what the Bears need to do. That's what Ryan Poles needs to do. They need offensive line help, defensive line help, secondary, running back, wide receiver. And you have this top pick, and you want to parlay that into three or four picks. How do you do it? Well, you trade with four or nine. Or you trade with somebody who's so quarterback needy that they're willing to mortgage all their future to get Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis. Simple as that. Go down that route, you're going to be okay. That's my opinion, at least. That's how Ryan Paul should address this situation. And I appreciate this breakdown from Daniel Jeremiah. I find it to be true. Why wouldn't it be? Look at the Bears and what they did with Mitch Trubisky moving up and how much they gave up to move up one spot. Other teams will do this. Other teams will be desperate, especially Indianapolis or Houston. Indianapolis hasn't had a franchise QB since Andrew Luck retired. It's been who, what, you know, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz. It's been veteran after veteran after veteran. They tried Sam Ellinger. He sucks. He's horrible. Nick Foles played a game there this past year. I mean, that's when you know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. So it's time to draft a quarterback. And Jim Irsay said the same thing. We need a quarterback. Yes, you do. Actually, if you're playing Nick Foles at any point during your season, yes, you need a quarterback pretty damn bad. If he's suiting up, you need a quarterback. Trust me. They need a quarterback, and the Texans do too. I mean, they were split-squatting quarterbacks. They played two or three of them in one game to end the season. They split time with Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills. I mean, who? Who are these people? And I know Davis Mills. I know Jeff Driscoll, too. He played for the Lions a bit. But the point is, really? Jeff Driscoll's getting half time and Davis Mills is getting the other half of the time? You need a quarterback. You're doing that crap at the NFL level? Yes, you need a quarterback. 
use these teams' desperation to your advantage. If you're Ryan Poles, force them to give you four picks for one. And this goes back to the original talking point and the way we opened up our show. Why would the Bears trade Justin Fields? What do they need another quarterback for? When they could trade this number one pick for four or three or four picks. That's what I think the Bears have to do this year. That's what I think their objective should be. Dantana, um, most times when a college QB is said to be the best in the draft, they usually turn out to be busts or never live up to the hype. We have a beast at quarterback already. Yep. I mean, not all the time, but most of the time, yes. Uh, I'm trying to think Baker Mayfield, uh, Johnny Mangell. I mean, I could go on and on. Troy Smith, Colt McCoy, Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Carson Wentz to an extent, Mitch Trubisky to an extent, Blaine Gabbert. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. It, It doesn't even matter. But yeah, you're right. Top picks, top guys, top five projected QBs. Where do they go? Nowhere. It's not always going to work. And maybe one of these guys turns out to be a complete stud and superstar, but we don't know. But we do know Justin Fields is good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's enough for me to say the Bears should keep him. Darrell, his work ethic, Justin Fields, is second to none. Wait till next year, but he has receivers and protection. You're right, which is what I said. If he can have an actual team around him, I think he's going to be okay. Joseph, getting a new receiver that could fill the room with more competence and experience would be nice, but mainly need to not have the O-line exploded inside out 80% of plays. Yes, Bears need O-line help. We need as many picks as possible, not just this year, for future years too. Jeff, you're right. Exactly. Joseph, all drafts are 50-50 on whether they remain in the league or not after their rookie contract, let alone last last that long. Yes. Young is too small for an NFL QB who's going to find out. Uh, Daryl, you know, the only way I will push back on that is that there are some smaller QBs today who do work. You know, Kyler Murray is not a bust per se. He's not great, but he's not a bust. Russell Wilson is probably going to be a Hall of Famer, even though he's having some issues now in Denver. Small quarterback. Baker Mayfield is okay, but you could probably say he's going to be a bust, right? So I guess it depends on the team that he goes to, whether or not they have somewhat of a decent offensive line and whether or not Bryce Young is going to be more mobile in the NFL. That's going to be the question surrounding Young and whether or not he'll be successful. Will he go to a team with a good O-line? And will the team allow him to be mobile? If those are both going to be no's, Bryce Young is going to be one of the biggest busts in recent memory. So we're going to have to see. Dan, uh, oh, Rosen sucked. (laughs) Remember Josh Rosen? Remember that experiment? One year, the Cardinals, they bring in a new head coach who's defensive-minded, Steve Wilkes. They go 3-13. and They get rid of Rosen. That whole season was horrible. Rosen, I think, had one of the worst qualifying completion percentages in NFL history for a full season. Not kidding. It was like 55%, and he played every game. I love how everybody forgets that, too, about Steve Wilkes. He was the head coach for that year. One year, fired. (laughs) And then he's begging everybody to give him the job in Carolina. Uh, Not so fast. I did a good job. Yeah, you did, but we remember what you did before, too. This year can't cancel out your past behavior and your past inconsistencies as a head coach. 
Steve Wilkes is a great coordinator, great defensive coordinator. Can he be a leader? Can he be a head coach? Don't know, don't think so. Frank Reich, better hire in Carolina than Steve Wilkes. By far. This is Sports Talk Chicago here with John Zaglul, John Meadows directing and producing. We are live from our Chicagoland studios. Be a part of the conversation and comment on the YouTube live stream or on Twitch or on Facebook, everywhere at Sports Talk Chicago. You can also follow me at John Z Sports all over the place and support our sponsor, Amish Country Farms, for the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland. Hit up Amish Country Farms today in Orland Park. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. <clears throat> Well, it's time for my weekly rant. I'm sure everybody's looking forward to this, and I'm sure many of you saw this, or maybe you didn't on Twitter. But this really bent me out of shape last night. And nobody else is seeing it today. Nobody wants to see it. Everybody wants to be a fanboy and a PR person for Major League Baseball. But I'll tell you right now, we got a problem in baseball. And I don't care if I sound like I'm 70 years old, sitting in front of my couch watching TV on an antenna. So yesterday in a spring training game, okay, two teams playing, the Red Sox. It was the Red Sox and a different team, I forgot. 3-2 count on the batter, two outs, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. So you got to force the pitcher to make a pitch, right? Force him to strike you out or, hey, base hit, win the game. Tie game. Bottom nine, bases loaded, 3-2 count, two outs, and what happens? The batter doesn't step into the box in time. An automatic strike three is called, and that moves the game forward. What was I told on Twitter? We should take a look, shouldn't we? We should take a look at what I was told on Twitter from a couple of people who wanted to tell me about this game and what happened. That's quite the overreaction, John. It's the first spring training game with the new rules, and you're already out here like this? Hell yes, I am. Because I'll tell you what, and I'm going to say it now. If this happened to the Cubs or White Sox in September, in October, everybody would be pissed. But because it's a spring training exhibition game, nobody has anything to say. I'll tell you what, when this happens to the Cubs or White Sox, don't come crying to me. I told you from day one, this was a stupid rule. I hate it. I hate this new pitch clock. It's a joke. I was telling John this before we went on the air, too. Look, I grew up playing baseball my whole life. I know the youth baseball scene like the back of my hand. Hey, when you're a kid and you're 10 to 18 years old playing ball on a travel team, you are told regularly not to rush. That's what I was told. Every coach would tell me, your biggest problem is you rush too much on the mound. You're a great pitcher when you stay poised and calm and rhythmic. That's when you're good. When you rush, you suck. Coaches told me that all the time. We are encouraging kids who, by the way, 10 to 12-year-olds have no idea, have no concept of being calm and poised. They're kids. They're running around all over the place. They rush all the time. They get nervous. We're telling kids, hey, get that pitch out in 30 seconds. That's what you're giving. That's the message you're giving to people by implementing a pitch clock in baseball, not to mention the fact that these players, even as 20-year-olds, 40-year-olds, whatever they are, have to rush. What a damn joke. And I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the time in which there's a big game and this happens because it's going to happen. You know it. If it already happened in spring training and everybody's laughing about it, oh, these are the new rules. Ha, ha, ha. This isn't funny. This is a damn joke. This is what, major league baseball? Doesn't look like it to me. I don't know what the hell this is.
This is in-house T-ball, whatever the hell you want to call it, rec league baseball, sandlot baseball. This ain't major league baseball. No way. It isn't. Not the major league baseball I know. Hold on, freaking pitch clocks. What the hell is this crap? You kidding me? You lose a game because you didn't step into the box in time? Get out of here with this. And everybody's so happy. Hey, this is how the game is now. Get used to the new rules. All the same sabermetric nerds who want to sit here and proclaim that this is good for the game. Oh, the game got longer. You want to know part of the reason why the game got longer? Instant replay, more stats, more numbers. Let the players play. I don't care if people don't watch a four-hour game. A lot of people still do. People watch the World Series every year, no matter how long the game is, they watch. David Freeze's home run, 2011, extra innings, Cardinals. Everybody was watching that game. It was a late game situation. Everybody watched it till the end. <clears throat> what about the Yankees? 2000, 2001, maybe 2000? Where the game went into November 1st. And oh, it's the first time baseball's played in November. Derek Jeter, walk-off home run. It was midnight. Joe Buck said it. I think nobody was watching then. Give me a damn break. But no, it's time to make a change because baseball's going too slow. And everybody's saying, oh, look at these spring training game times, two hours, 20 minutes. Of course it's slow or uh, quick. Of course the game's quicker. It's spring training. Half these guys playing will never see a major league field. Of course it's going to be quick. Everybody's striking out. I just can't wait. I'm so, I want it to happen. Now I want it to happen. I want there to be a Cubs or White Sox game in which they lose because somebody didn't step into the box in time. I'm hoping it happens. You know why? Because I want everybody to sit there and bitch and complain about it. And then I'll say, well, we talked about this two months ago and everybody didn't say anything. I want it to happen. And it will happen. Or better yet, it's going to happen in the postseason. And what's everyone going to say then? Oh, whatever. It's just another new rule. If that's where you stand on that situation, then we greatly disagree. I'm sorry. And again, and I want to say this too, I'm not crazy, okay? I'm on Facebook right now live, but I know there are hundreds of Major League Baseball players, former guys that I'm friends with who do not like these new rules. And I've seen the comments, and they know they know who I'm talking about. They know. I don't want to shout anybody out, and I don't know if it's going to get anyone in trouble, but I've seen, and everybody knows, their public comments. Go to my old posts about pitch clocks and new rules. Please, you can see. There are former players, accomplished players, former league leaders in certain categories commenting, saying these rules suck. So it's not just me. I'm on the side of the players who made this game great. And the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, the eras in which I grew up watching baseball, the game was great. And slowly but surely, each and every year, it's gotten worse and worse. The guys who made the game great, I'm going to listen and value their opinions. I'm going to hear what they have to say. You know what? Their insight's better than mine. They, they played the game. They were there. 
<clears throat> this game has turned into a blank shell. And I am just completely disappointed. And everybody will see it eventually. No one's going to talk about it now. And like I said, the Twitter reaction, oh, John, it's a spring training game and you're already starting with this. Yes, I am starting with this. There shouldn't be a damn pitch clock in baseball. Come on. They're going to be teaching kids to rush, first of all. So the PR element of the game for kids is going to be a complete shell shock to them. They're not going to be happy. They're not going to understand these kids. Their coach is going to tell them, hey, don't rush. Then they're going to watch baseball players saying, oh, they, they pitch in 30 seconds. So that's bad. Then secondly, at the major league level, we're going to see games decided by a clock. Are you kidding me? <clears throat> we're going to see games decided by a clock, not a hit, not a strikeout, not a pitch, not a challenge. Baseball's about challenges. Baseball's about you get me out. Force me to get me out. That's what baseball's about. When I was a kid, hey, force the pitcher to throw a strike. Force the pitcher to make a pitch. 3-2 count, be ready to hit. Force the pitcher to strike you out. Force the defense to make a play. That's baseball. And now... Force the batter to not step into the batter's box? That's going to determine a win or a loss for a team? That's what we're encouraging our youth? That's what we're encouraging players to do? This is a damn joke. And if nobody else sees it, and if nobody else wants to believe it or like it, then that's your choice and your prerogative. But I'm going to stick up for the game as long as I got breath. This is not the game that I grew up watching. This is not the game that I appreciate or like anymore. It is a watered-down counterfeit of what the game should be. And if you don't see it that way, that's fine. But don't come crying to me when the Cubs or White Sox lose a game during a playoff chase because somebody didn't step into the banner's box. I warned you from today, here in February. If you don't want to hear it, then don't hear it. <clears throat> I know, Dan, you're on my side. A clock and a ghost runner, terrible, yep. <clears throat> Man. Can you imagine Game 7 of the World Series and that happens? To around Whitfield, yep. <laughs> I agree with you. And we're going to see it happen, to Ron. We will. We will see it at some point. It's going to be a playoff game at least. One playoff game this year, whether it be the Wild Card Series the Divisional Series, the Championship Series, or the World Series, one of the games in that sphere will be lost because of a pitch clock. I'm going to call it right now. You and I both know it. It's going to happen. And when that time comes, I'm just going to sit back and laugh and say, I told you so. <laughs> I don't feel bad. I feel bad for the people who are accepting it now, but then they're going to regret it later. And I feel bad for the people who are coming after me saying, hey, you know, you're already on this. Yes, I am already on this. 100% I am. This is bull crap. This is not baseball. It's just not. The game's become too monetized, too much business, too much everything. Go back to the basics of baseball. I do not like this rule, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I don't care if this doesn't go with the norm. I don't care if, you know, the sabermetricians don't like it. I don't give a damn. I know I'm on the right side of this because former players back me up. That's how I know this is correct. See, it's all the people who never play the game who want to sit here and bitch and complain about playtime and how long games are going. But those who play have nothing to say because they know. They know it's wrong. 
and former players have a lot to say about this. It's only the suits, it's only the people who've never played baseball who have something to whine about when it comes to pitch clock and game time. But those who've played know very well that this is not baseball. Baseball is the one game where there's no worry about a clock. Football, soccer, basketball, hockey, all about the clock. Clock management. What am I going to score? What am I going to do? How can I stop the clock? Give me a timeout. Baseball, it could take four hours. It could take 10 hours. Doesn't matter. That's the beauty, or that was the beauty of the game. And now, obviously, baseball has become handcuffed, and it's become submissive to a clock. What a damn joke. Just horrible. I am so disappointed by that development. And again, you will see it. It's going to happen. Some meaningful game this year, whether it be the Cubs or the White Sox or in the playoffs or in the World Series, somebody will lose because of a clock. And I'm just going to sit here and say, hey, told you so. I'm going to laugh too. Wait for that to happen. Sports Talk Chicago here with John Zaglow. John Meadows directing and producing. One segment to go. You're just tuning in. Support our sponsor, Amish Country Farms. Hit them up today in Orland Park for the best Amish food in all of Chicago land. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Hit that like button on YouTube and find us live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John Z Sports on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook at John Zaglow. <clears throat> Last segment of the day. This one should be fun, too. Wilson Contreras, Cubs fans, has chosen to speak out. So we all wondered uh, this past year why Wilson Contreras left the Cubs. Because I wondered it, too. He didn't sign with the Cardinals for a lot of money. It was a very standard contract. It was five years, $95 million. I thought, why didn't the Cubs pay him that much money? Wilson Contreras, all-star catcher, could be a Hall of Famer. If he plays at this level for, I don't know, eight more years maybe. He's on the track if he could continue to play at this level and sustain the production that he's put up. World Series champion, glue piece for the Cubs. And they didn't trade him. See, I was all for trading Wilson Contreras this past season at the trade deadline, so that way you could get back a haul. The Cubs didn't do anything, though. <clears throat> they let it pass. So I assumed by letting him go or letting it pass that they'd sign him this offseason. They didn't. And now we have comments from Contreras maybe as to why he left and what happened. So this is from Jeff Jones, and here's an article from Cubs Insider that has the quote, quote, Contreras said he started imagining himself as a Cardinal the day he saw Albert Pujols hit his 695th home run. Contreras said he was on the I.L., watching from the bench, envisioning playing for a team with that kind of tradition and celebration. Then, here today, I just saw this, Valley Sports Midwest, Contreras compares the Cardinals and the Cubs organizations. Quote, for me, I like this better, St. Louis. It's a better organization, old school way, which I love. Ever since I got here, it's been everything just one way, the Cardinal way. These are the comments from Wilson Contreras, and if you're a Cubs fan out there and you're watching, you're probably livid and pissed. I am, but I also don't blame him. So it goes both ways. I'm pissed because Wilson Contreras left for only $95 million. The Cubs easily could have paid that much money. Shows how cheesy-ass the Ricketts are sometimes. They spend $177 million on a guy career-hitting 260, and that's okay. 
but they can't sign a catcher who's the glue piece to their squad to win a World Series with them who is still performing with them. And they don't trade him for prospects that let him go. I'm pissed about that, and I can see why Contreras is saying this, but on the flip side of it, you're going to tell me that you were mistreated and that you didn't like the Cub way? You won a damn World Series here. You won it all here. You you did everything here. You were an all-star. You were a starting catcher. How could you say that the Cardinal way is the better way? You haven't even played a full season there. You've been there for a couple of weeks in spring training. How could you say it's a better way? You don't even know what the way is yet. So it goes both ways, Wilson. One or the other. I can understand why you're probably mad. Yes, I get it. I'm with you. Should have been traded for prospects. You weren't. You didn't come back. But I'll tell you what. Don't sit here and tell me the Cardinal way is better when you haven't even played a game with the Cardinals yet. You don't even know what the way is for the Cardinals. Well, what's the Cardinal way? What, they paid you $95 million? Congratulations. Had you gone to any other team in baseball, 28 other teams would have paid you the same amount of money, if not more. With the exception of maybe like the A's and the Royals, everybody would have paid you money to go there. That same dollar amount. And the same amount of years. The Cubs would have done it. They should have. So I just don't understand where that sentiment comes from. Unless, you know, you're mad because the Ricketts didn't pay you or they didn't want to pay you. Or maybe this offseason they didn't give them a contract. Then I can understand. But don't tell me the Cardinal way is the better way. You have no idea which way is better? You don't know what the better way is or what that even means. You haven't even played a game with them. And what? So you were watching the game while you were on the IL. Way to be way to be engaged in your team. You're on the IL. You're on the bench. You just said it. And you're watching Albert Pujols' game-breaking 695th home run, and you're thinking, wow, I want to be there. Way to stick up for your team, Wilson. Way to be really into it with your team during the game, thinking about freaking Albert Pujols and the Cardinals and, wow, I want to be on a team like that. That's what's going through your head on the IL where you're with the Cubs during a real game on the bench. And you know what? Good riddance. Get the hell out of here then. That's what you're thinking about, and you're still on the Cubs, and you're on the IL, and you're on the bench, then get the hell out of Chicago. I never want to see you again. See, it goes both ways. Everybody's in the wrong here. Wilson is in the wrong. The Cubs are in the wrong. The Cardinals are in the wrong. Everybody has a share of the blame. And that's why I'm coming after everybody. It's not just the Wilson comments they get me. It's everything behind it and in front of it. So Wilson needs to really shut his trap because it doesn't make any sense, his comments. And I didn't appreciate it at all. I mean... For me, I like this better. It's a better organization, old school way, which I love. Ever since I got here, it's been just everything one way, the cardinal way. I'm getting so worked up, I'm sneezing. The cardinal way. The hell does that even mean? But I know what it means. I like the way the Cardinals do business. They have tons of prospects all the time, tons of guys who just come up and kill it. I I like what they do. I wish the Cubs did it. But my thing is, you haven't played one game there. You just got paid by them, and all of a sudden, you're the mouthpiece for the Cardinals? What are you, a politician? 
All of a sudden, somebody pays you, a special interest group pays you, and now you're their mouthpiece? And you just forget about, I don't know, winning a World Series here and doing something good here? Come on, dude. Really? Wilson, you won the World Series here. You were the glue piece here. You were everything here for a decent amount of time. You meant a lot to this team. You can't just forget about all that and move forward and move on. That makes no sense to me. I don't appreciate the comments from Contreras. I don't appreciate the backhandedness of those comments either. I think it's a total scam and a total joke. And he is going to have to pay for that eventually. And by, you know, what I mean is that hopefully the Cubs can just beat down on the Cardinals this season when they face each other. Because Wilson should not be offering up comments like that. It's just, it's not right. It's not right. It's wrong. Based on his career and what he's done. It's a damn joke. The hell out of here, man. I definitely took offense to that. What's wrong with you, Wilson? Why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Why are you making this a big deal? You've never played a game in Cardinal Red yet, and yet you know that they're a better organization just because they paid you. So would he, be, would, would he be saying the same thing if San Diego paid him or if Los Angeles paid him or if Pittsburgh paid him? Milwaukee. The Brewers were in on Contreras for a while. They could have paid him. Just despicable comments from Wilson. And I don't want to see him in Chicago again now. Uh, I used to be kind of neutral on him. I, I liked him. I think he was a good player. Now I don't care for him anymore. I think I'm done with him because... The fact that during a team game for the Cubs, you're sitting there thinking about Albert Pujols and why the Cardinals are a better organization, then again, good riddance, see you later, don't come back. Don't ever come back. Leave and stay over there. If that's what's really going through your head, when you're on the bench engaged in a Cubs game, coaching up some younger players, being a leader, you're supposed to be a leader and a mentor, and your head's on the Cardinals then, dude, get the hell out and don't come back. That is horrible, in my opinion. Just horrible from Contreras. I think it's totally wrong, and I think, you know, he he will pay for those comments eventually. The com, You know, hopefully the Cubs come in and they sweep the Cardinals and they send a message saying, hey, we're still a good organization, too. That's what I'd love to see. That would be the best way to make them pay for what they said. <clears throat> but I can't defend any any of those comments from Wilson. His choice, he's wrong. So I just I, I had to give some time for that because I was very disappointed in what he said. Dan Tana, Dan, all over this one. I know you're probably really engaged here. Um, let's see this. The Cardinals have the champions to back it up to championships. Um, let me see this here. You had tons of trophies, place taps for Contreras, right? You know, I, Dan, I mean, I think you and I are, are in agreement here. It just it, it doesn't make sense for Contreras to be saying all this stuff. 
you won a ring here. You you played very well here. A couple of all-star teams here. You did a lot here, a lot of good things. Why come around and just trash the team you were a part of for all this time? You said you wanted to be a Cub forever. Obviously, that wasn't true. You said you wanted to be a Cub, and yet you're thinking about a different team on the bench. So you're not. You didn't want to be a Cub. You're lying. Oh, man. What a tough look for him. wonder if the Cub fans will boo him when, when he comes to Wrigley Field. I would. If I were there, I'd be the first one booing him. I don't know if anybody else will, though. <laughs> What a show today. A lot of outrage, a lot of meanness. I'm kidding. But also some good insight, especially about the Bears and what they could get back for that top pick. I appreciate everybody tuning in today. Sunday afternoon stream, loved it. Had a great time with all of you being engaged and hanging here with us. Big, big thank you to John Meadows directing, producing, working everything behind the scenes to make sure this show got on the air and went through smoothly. Find our sponsor, Amish Country Farms, in Orland Park today for the best Amish food in all of the Chicagoland area. Just tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Live on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. Follow us all those places at Sports Talk Chicago. Hit me up personally at John Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram and also at John Zaglul on Facebook. And I appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, Going to hopefully be having some news in the next couple of weeks regarding the show, um, possible expansion opportunities, so... Stay tuned for that as well. And I hope everybody has a great night. We will see you Wednesday night for a new program. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot to discuss around that. Thank you so much for watching. And so long, everybody.